This is episode 215 of the Gold Squadron Podcast. I'm your host, Dio Morales, and today I'm joined by Marcel. Tell me about the days of our many lives, Manzano. Up to four lives with Cutthroat. Ryan, sad Roger Roger Staniszewski. Sad reacts only for the droids and the many friends that they have once had with networked calculations. And Will, now this is Hyperspace Hagwood. Good evening, everyone. All right, so today, let's go through some quick announcements. If you didn't hear, if you were living under a rock, the winner of the Lemu Galactic Championship Qualifier was one and only the Marcel Manzano. We'll get more into that in a bit, but we got to give him the props. He won it fair and square. Before we go too far, though, obligatory hashtag rigged in the chat, please. Thank you very much. Also, we did we did something kind of on the down low. We didn't announce it big during the stream. We just kind of put it out in a couple places to get feelers out and see the reaction. Seems like those of you who participated in our uh, Lemu Bracket Challenge had a good time. And this is something that we're going to be doing from now on. Having a uh, a bracket available for you guys to fill out for the cut going into a day two and basically set up some type of some type of prize for it completely free to to be a part of it. It's just something that we're doing for fun and the way we're scoring it for every first round win uh, that you guess correctly it's 10 points so that'd be this time would be the top 16 10 points top eight is uh 20 points and then 30 and then 40 for the final uh and the winner of the our very first gsp um galactic championship bracket challenge is nathan phil with a total of 200 points they guessed seven of the eight top 16 results correct Okay, that got them ahead. Uh, they got three out of the four top eight matches correct, and then they got the final correct. Like it was, it was a super solid bracket, super solid bracket. So with two hundred points there, thank you to everybody who did participate. We did have an honorable mention for Sith Holocron with hundred and eighty points, and it was that first round, the top sixteen, that uh, that bit them. So it was super fun, and we look forward to doing it again. If you think it's a good idea and you like it, let us know, and uh, we'll, we'll make sure to make it bigger and, and better. We're looking at a couple of different ways to be efficient with it, with scoring, because this time we, we basically just gave you guys a picture, but that's something for us to figure out at a later date. And now we need to go. We went from happy to not so happy. Team USA falls to Spain 5-2. to two. It's a bye week for Team USA, so they got a week to lick their wounds and bring up their confidence again. Marcel, give us give us the update. Yep. So we lost uh, five games to two. Um, two games were uh, I don't know how many games. I know Will's game was was a very one sided game in our favor. Um, the rest of the games i think were pretty close i know my game uh which was the tail end so it was it, my my game was the last game to finish so my game was just for whatever whatever 
uh, was it came down to the last dice roll. I know Doug's game uh, with the first order list also came down to the last dice roll. I heard Matt's game came to the last dice roll, and I think um, our surprisingly our our um, our empire list that I think we all thought we had a good advantage. I think we just got. Um, a bad initial engagement which just created like a really bad domino effect but i i i'd like to say that we got carson this week so because we were i I, w- I would say we were clearly the favorites even if they're the defending champions just by like what the pop- popular opinion was and i'm not just talking about american popular opinion but also like the european space you know they were doing their they're like, oh, this list versus that list. They were saying, you know, U.S. is a favorite. Um, and then we were, instead of coming from behind, we were typically winning at the end of every match. Or we were in the position to win at the end of every match. And uh, we didn't. So we pulled, uh, not we, they pulled a Carson on us often enough to take the series 5-2. to two. And uh, oddly enough, Carson is the only one. Not uh, Carson is the other one who started off ahead and ended up ahead. Uh, so we need Carson to start losing more and, and win it at the end, so we can get back in our rhythm. So Carson, uh, I'm ready for the for the heart attacks again. Ring it. Yeah, he was the winner of the first game that got played this week. It was uh, recorded and streamed here on GSP. So if you're a Twitch subscriber, you can watch it now. Our YouTube fam, that'll be posted here in the next week or so. Uh, and, Will, and, from from your... Well, wait, I, I just want to say one more thing, too. Yeah. Um, also, there was like um, a, uh, a post that had got uh, by Paul Heaver, by, by, the Paul, by Papa Heaver, we call him. So there was a post by Papa Heaver saying something about like sportsmanship and all that. For those of you who saw the game, my game, there was a missile set uh, due to some. Well, there was a missile set. There was some, you know, TTS being TTS, and we, we got booted. And we we came back. Uh, I guess the opponent swept the styles, and it took us a while to figure it out. And then once we figured it out, uh, we're like, oh. You know, let's let's correct it, but let me go tell the team. So I went on Discord to tell the team, and some people saw that break in like not fixing it right away, as like, oh, you you're trying to to like like rules lawyer it and say like, no, you're not allowed to switch it or something like that. Anyway, that that was a frame of thought by some people. So that's uh, for starters not appreciated, but then it all it got sorted out. It was like you know play nice be nice and i echo papa hewer's advice and saying like just be nice it doesn't matter uh if it's online in person if it doesn't matter if it's at worlds or at your casual night when you play just play nice unless you're around d which d doesn't allow you to play nice even if you want to play nice because that's the rules. No niceties allowed. Yeah, I call those bonchincharos, people who, who talk without without knowing information. Bonchincharos, I don't know. That, that's what I've always called them. But anywho, um, Will, from your perception. What do you mean about this the, week, uh, the U- Team this USA week? this week? Yeah. Oh, man. We, uh, 
Uh, this is why I said it once we started uh, losing a couple games that um, our, our, our streak of luck had gone uh, had uh, had gone away. Um, not that we were getting lucky with our wins, um, but definitely some favorable dice and uh, some good turns um, were able to get us a lot of wins before. Unfortunately, uh, the the luck was, uh, or sorry, unfortunately, it had to be Spain uh, the week that we had uh, our luck ran out. Um, but obviously, uh, Spain played very good, uh, and um, to to beat us five to two, obviously. So, uh, I wish it, I wish it would have been against somebody else, and uh, we would have been able to beat Spain, but uh, they'll yeah. they'll continue on undefeated. I, 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 Ali said something yesterday that I happen to agree with. He said, if you're going to drop a match, drop the match that you are, uh, that people th think you're going to drop. You know, if you're going to drop a match, drop a match against the best team. Don't drop a match against the other teams. So I, I'll, I'll go with that. So now, um, I think we're still in the driver's seat. We're the only uh, us in Spain are the only ones that have less than two losses. They have none. We have one. So we're still in the uh, driver's seat. What about uh, Hungary? They're uh, two and one, or two and two, two and one, or two and two. Okay. Oh, you're right. They also have one loss, but we we've got the win count on them, and we've got the six one on them. So that's fair. I would like to say that I got the chance to watch most of Will's game on stream. And uh, when you put a Kylo in a position to get range one by Fenrau and Bosk because you went over a gas cloud by misjudging your yeah. coordinated barrel roll link boost, going to have a bad time. Oh, uh, yeah. My, my opponent... Uh... He was very upset uh, with that maneuver. He thought it. Um, he thought it was going to be the right call to get out of that 180 degree arc, even if it did cost him the gas cloud and whatnot. Um, but it was just. Uh, I think it, me coordinating Finn and not doing some sort of like reposition or boost or something like that. Um, the linked action. Um, with Finn, uh, just threw him off, um, and wasn't sure. He, I think, he started to second guess what he thought was actually on Finn's style. All right. Well, the Team USA got a week off this week, but we're still gonna be trying to get you guys some XCC games this Wednesday and Saturday uh, from other teams around the world. So, looking forward to that. Now, we're going to go ahead and go into our main topic of the day, and that is discussing the top 16 list from the Lemu Galactic Championship Hyperspace Qualifier. Now, um, if... Before we go to that, I want to let you know that uh, this segment is brought to you by our patrons. If you want to be a part of our largest group of supporters, go ahead, head to patreon.com slash gold squadron and thank you so much for everybody for your support a reminder to our current patrons the alphabet squadron uh set is going to be start getting packed up in the next couple days and anybody who becomes a patron from today going on into the next month 
you're going to qualify for our next set, which is the Shadow Squadron set. We will talk some more about that later. But let's go ahead. Let's jump into the top 16. Top 16. Here was our bracket. This is the matchups that happened. This is how they broke down. But we're going to go specifically into the list here in a minute. But first, I want to talk about the factions for this uh, for this event. Ryan, go ahead and break down our faction breakdowns for the events. So overall, we saw 21 Separatists, 12 Republic, 12 Rebel, 26 Scum, 14 Imperial, 12 Resistance, and 18 First Order. Surprisingly, all of the quote good guy factions, the Republic, the Resistance and the Rebels, all lowest equal at 12 only. Even with stuff like Hera and a lot of those new RZ1s and the Hera-Garvin combination. Also, all the 7B Jedi Knights doing so well. Yeah, not too surprising to see Resistance that low, but to see stuff like First Order taken higher than even the Empire and all those others I just listed, surprising to me at least. And then when you look at the top cut, everything just evened out almost across the board. It's pretty impressive, actually. Three Separatists, two Republic, two Rebel, three Scum, three Imperial, two Resistance, and First Order left with just the one. But all factions represented in a moderately equal manner in the top cut. I think you're muted. Yeah, chat said you're muted. Sorry about that. Roll it back from when you started. Yep. Uh, what was I saying? So, <laughs> so now we're gonna go ahead and jump into our top sixteen. We will um, start at the top of the list with our first seed, our winner, and then head down to sixteen. So, with the win of the event, Marcel Manzano, go ahead and break down your own list. All right, we're starting from there. Okay, uh, so I brought a uh, hyperspace list with um, Bosk, Cutthroat, Gamut Key, Zamwell, Wessel, Greedo, Contraband, Cybernetics, and Hull Upgrade. So it's basically the same Bosk that Will is flying, uh, plus additional toys of Cutthroat, Contraband, and Hull. Uh, you have a good ship. Make sure it you give it more toys then replaced either the paylob or the cannon with dace bow and arm the dace is d ace so when you spell dace from now on you have to put a little d apostrophe and then capital ace bow and arm and <laughs> okay let's make fun of me and then protector gleb with thermal detonators no Baseball and arm with protector gleb, thermal detonators, and moldy crow. And then we also brought, I also brought Teltravera with cutthroat, proton torpedoes, ion cannon, 
false transponder codes and a hull upgrade because I finally caved and said, okay, tell tell can have a hull upgrade. Um, rounding out at 200 points. So it's a, a 444 list. Um, I don't know if you guys want to talk, talk about the choices there's reasons for the choices but i don't know if yeah you guys I, no i mean do. since you are the champion and you're here go into your choices please and thank well, I'm, you I'm, I'm curious <laughs> to you and william were okay I, I believe commentating right yeah um and I, th I think i shared the list with everyone on friday before i flew it mm -hmm. so just kind of want to i i know why i chose it but just i was wondering like what? What, do you, what did you guys think? Like, uh, is because part of why I chose it was honestly uh, the memes, just like Dace and Tell. I mean, that was part of the reason, but there was also like a a, a logical reason behind that, other than just I, I want to be silly and have some fun. So do you you want you want us to take like that initial guess? So I've I I've like seen the least not, amount not, of this. Not the guess. It's like the the breakdown as the, if, ana the analysis. Like the All way right. that we're gonna break down Ethan Williams' list and sure. everybody else's lists. Yeah. All right, Will, let's start with you. What you got? Well, um I'm not surprised it did so well. Uh you have Bosch who's already uh, hitting so hard uh, with that party bus crew. You got Wolf, Gamut Key holding tokens, Zam Wessel getting free locks and bonus attacks, and Greedo crew uh, getting that very essential uh, crit uh, that boss can split. Um, and then Tell is just, uh, essentially you discourage people from shooting at Tell, uh, which I think is super funny. Um, because if they kill Tell, it just reappears somebody somewhere else. And while that, you can argue like, oh well, you just you know f go off and kill two whole health afterwards. That's a different situation where in the end game, if you're looking to score points uh, to get up on this list, they already have Dace or something like that, or Bosk is like limping away, and you're trying to score some more points on this list. And you look at Tell, and you realize that killing Tell doesn't score you any points. They uh, they have to find them somewhere else. I think is very interesting. Um, I am surprised on the Tell uh, upgrades. They don't have any sort of crew on it. Um, and you and you reached for uh, the hull upgrade on Bosk. Um, Cutthroat makes sense to me. Um, what uh, I guess the the question I had was uh, more of uh, the thermal detonators. Did, did you get some good use out of thermal detonators and uh, cutthroat as well? Because you have limited ship count, um, did cutthroat always matter? Okay, so um, cutthroat mattered, I would say, in almost every match i'm saying almost because uh, in in the final uh none of the ships died actually in a lot of them none of the ships died but I, it mattered in 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 every time that i lost enough points to have a ship die it mattered significantly um the crew uh the thermals and the hollow grade on bosk were better for me than 
the then a crew. Uh, I looked at the crew options. I could have done something like um, is all three options available? Maybe uh, Kira. I'm not Kira. I'm, I'm torpedoing, so I don't need the Kira. Uh, contraband. Uh, you know, for one point higher. Not really. Um, so most of the time, Dace was coordinating Tell, not Bosk. Uh, because uh, during the alpha strike, everybody is afraid of Bosk for that alpha, but Bosk is really just clearing shield so that proton torpedo could hit really hard. So you're doing the target lock, false transponder code something out of there, uh, hit clear shields with Bosk, and then delete them with with the proton torpedo at the end, and then Dace will just take a pot shot wherever it's you know, whatever, if it survived, try to kill it. If it didn't, you know, you just start on the new target. Um, the, so yeah, I never really felt like Tell needed one. And uh, the the thermals were there because Dace is very unprotected. He's, he doesn't, you know, with, with um, Paylob, Paylob stealing tokens, so the ships are usually not modified or not, you know, or single modified. Um, with cannon, cannons doing cannon things, not 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 taking shots. Dace is just a sitting duck. It's basically basically just a hawk, basically, you know, a five health, two agility ship. And even in the final, when Ethan uh, uh, went through the rocks and came at me, um, when when he he came at me with Zam, and then he went down between the two debris and was going to start chasing the hawk. The only reason he didn't was because that, that bomb was sitting there. Had he boosted to take the shot on Dace, he would have ate a bomb and he didn't want to do that. And then the following turn, he didn't want to take two bombs. So that's why he disengaged to go down to the bottom of the board. So those bombs alone were just there to say, you know, don't chase me. Don't chase the Dace. Um, and, and, it, and it worked perfectly. I think the the cutthroats and the, the contraband were probably the MVP for me for the entire weekend because Dace typically ended up dying at some point because Tell is, like you said, it's a bad target. You spend a whole lot of, a whole lot to basically get 35 points. You can spend 60 minutes to get 35 points. Uh, and then he'll just show up in the opposite corner. And if you want to go kill Ace again, I mean, uh, kill Tell again, that means you have to put your back to Bosk. So, you know, you don't want you. So that means you're going to get uh, it's kind of like uh, Morello and trying to kill Bosk. I mean, you, you, you fly Bosk, you know, at that point, he's getting his free locks. He's doing everything that Bosk wants to do with Zam. Um, so you kill the coordinator and the coordinator is real cheap. He was only 50 points or 52 points. So you're you're. You're going through fire to get to the cheapest ship. And then when the cheapest ship dies, I made sure to use my contrabands early and my proton torpedoes early. And now having a boss with double contraband, being able to stop and basically just just say, you know, pick a corner and say, I'm gonna stay here for multiple turns, Stace is gonna die, and I'm still gonna stay here. And in one situation, I even got four torpedoes off of uh Tell. Like that, that's what won me the game. Shot two torpedoes, Dace died, shot another torpedo, boss died, and then finished the game by shooting a fourth torpedo. 
All right. Well, I got, wow. I got one. I got one last question about cutthroat. Did you ever uh, the ability to recharge uh, tells charge? Did you ever get a double zombie tell? No, I didn't. And the only reason that I didn't is because uh, tell only died um, once or twice in the entire event, and he didn't die. Die. He only got halved once except the last game against uh joel springle springle yeah uh in round six uh tell was still alive uh but i i was it, it wasn't going well for me uh and i just said uh you know i i conceded so he didn't actually die die uh instead of running around for the next 20 minutes i, I just conceded but Never got the opportunity. I, that's what I wanted. I mean, that, that's what I wanted. Okay. You can have a total of 16 health if everything works out well with him. But yeah, that's, that never worked out. It was always, um, yeah, it was always proton torpedoes and and contraband cybernetics that got the the benefit. And the other thing I want I want to point out here, I know a lot of people are like, oh, Dace, Dace, the Ace. One of the things we identified when we were talking in our in our chat beforehand, and now we can obviously we're going to talk about it out loud, is Dace Bonearm is the cheapest platform that makes sense for Protectorate Gleb. I know that the pilot says Dace Bonearm, but it's actually Protectorate Gleb, and then Dace is along for the ride. Like let's let's be honest, right? Like Dace Bonearm happens to be the cheapest hawk in hyperspace, and that's why it's out there. But I, I'm I'm gonna in hyperspace, yes. I think in extended, he becomes a bigger. He he becomes more useful in extended because you have a lot more large base ships. Uh, you know, you're thinking about tell with the ion and you can ionize them with a single shot yeah that's good but a lot of the you know if you think about it you know with uh, bosk throwing a lot of crits and all of that there's a potential to get ion or whatever we call it, the power regulators disabled fire power regulators if you can get that on a that crit on a medium or large base ship that means you have the choice you you have the choice to say this is the turn you're ionized uh so if they're facing in a good way you're like okay i'm gonna let you just take that one ion next turn they they they, they start preparing to do the k turn so they can face the right direction the turn two you say okay now i'm gonna ionize you so it makes that disabled i know it's very niche uh but uh just the ability to be able to tell someone uh, out of three turns like i'm gonna ionize you any of those three turns you want, you don't know which one it is. Just know that whenever you're in the worst position, <laughs> you're, you're going to take gonna advantage stay. of it. Yeah. Well, and then also you brought a an ion cannon too, so you could also do stuff like that. So I'm not saying that the ability was is useless, but people have historically preferred Torkoal, Paylob, and now Kanan for their for their abilities, which. Maybe what we're saying now is that Dace has a place in the meta, right? Like there, there's, there's, there's a place for him, uh, and I think what what's making his place worth it right now is currently his points. Because I honestly think that if the points went up on on Dace and he ends up being the same as uh, who's who's the one above him in points, 
Tapuk, I think. Or Tapusk. one of those. Uh, maybe you would... He's at... Today's bone arms 31, base Gamma Keys 34, but everyone takes Gamma Key. Gamma Crew, crew you yeah. Kind of go up to Tapusk, who is 36. That's five point jump just from Dace to Tapusk. I think it is also worth noting Dace is also I 4, which with yes. the rest of your ships in the yes. list, everything's moving at the same rate, and you can choose the order of operations when you want to coordinate before or after one of your friends move. Yeah, having the same initiative is the best way to guarantee actions because uh, if if you have cannon moving first and Bosk is in the way, you're just going to bump. So now you have the ability to move Bosk out of the way first and then uh, do, do everything in any order you want. And also in some situations, um, you know, like I said, when I wanted to park, park, bark, uh, park, bark, park Bosk, I would use contraband and park him shoot a torpedo with with um tell in the back then hop over bosk gamut key all the stuff and then bump again to stay another one and then stop again and then there's you're, you're three turns uh with modded bosk and in the same spot so um it having that flexibility to move at the same initiative and choose who goes when and who gets the actions is, is is really good. Not not for this list. It's really good for any list. So any anytime you have ships of the same initiative, you're always going to be at at, a, at an advantage when it's time to move. So I, I think the question in the back of everybody's head is: Have you, with this win, given Dace a place in the future meta? Well, there's no way to know. We'll have to wait and see. We're going to move on. But Dace Bonearm might be coming out to play. At least people are going to try. Like, what, whenever there's a list that wins or does really well in an event, things start to evolve and kind of shape around it. And um, I, I think we'll, we'll wait for the top four to get to the point I'm about to make. But we'll, we, we, have, we have another pattern emerging here uh, that I think you guys will see. Well, let's continue here uh, with Ryan and Ethan Williams' lists. Ethan bringing the ever infamous Zamgo, the Django Zam, running Django with Treacherous, carrying Count Dooku on Django, um, Thermal Detonators, False Transponder Coats, Hall Upgrade, and then Zam with Treacherous, Thermal Detonators, False Transponder Coats, Hall Upgrade, opting for no crew on one of the fire sprays for the 189 point list, being an 11 point bid. Uh, there's a strong argument to stick with that. That bid means you're moving after probably everything, uh, unless there's another I-6 in list, but then Django gets moved after. Um, the I've seen more of these adjustments moving Count Dooku to Django. Um, I don't know for sure if there's a right or wrong answer. I've seen arguments for both sides. Um, if any of you guys feel like you have a strong opinion one way or the other, I'd be curious to hear it. Uh, but it's obviously one of the strongest lists in the game, hyperspace or extended. And being that the fact that it can bid that high and be that effective tells you that it a lot of that costs not enough. <laughs> Maybe one of the thoughts of putting Count Dooku on Django is increasing his effectiveness. Because Zam by herself already has a lot of output, damage output. Sometimes Dooku is just like, 
quadrupling down on how good she is and you can try to with Dooku you could shift over some of that um, effectiveness over to Django. Yeah, yeah in most cases, I, I know when I look at most Django Zam lists that don't have Count Dooku crew on Django, you usually consider Django's offense to be pretty average because there's no additional modifiers beyond just focusing and the first turn of engagement taking advantage of those false transponder codes and locking. But after that, it's just the tricks of being a fire spray with thermal detonators and false transponder codes at I-6. What were we going to say, Will? Oh, I was just mentioning the, the combination of, between Django's ability and then Dooku-ing a blank on the defender's defense of dice, uh, or even offense for that matter, just any of their dice, because Django works offense and defense, right? If you're attacking Django, he, he modifies the eyeball to blank. I believe it's both ways. While you defend or perform a primary attack, yes. Yes. Yeah, so essentially you can double modify, instead of thinking about double modifying your own defense or your own dice, Django could, in uh, when appropriate, he could double modify the opponent's dice, uh, change your evade, um, or change your two eyeballs into double blanks uh, by calling the Dooku and then Django ability. Uh, but I think I agree with Dion. It, it makes him more powerful because um, you don't have Lone Wolf and a couple other things that Extended have. I think in hyperspace it is the right call. And then most most people most people tend to tend to always focus on Zam because they know it's like it's like the quick draw effect, right? The double shot potential. You want to limit how often that could happen in a game. So you put Dooku on Django. That theoretically will be the ship that lasts longer even though it is worth more points so an opponent should be trying to track that ship down but you have an i6 with an 11 point bid that's a fire spray with boost so have fun <laughs> one of one of the other thoughts i had here um i'm sorry something i wanted to throw in i remember there was uh, a newer listener who wanted us to clarify a couple of things marcel's squad is a scum and villainy squad by the way and this was a separatist squad with Django and Zam flying those fire sprays. We'll go ahead and take a look at Collar, uh, Connor Holmes' list here uh, with the Galactic Empire. All right. Uh, Colin, Connor Holmes is rocking six tie barons of the Empire. Those are the, the V1 uh, I3s with no force. Uh, they're all rocking disciplined, uh, the new upgrade uh, that allows them to uh, get uh, a focus or, or it's just not focus. Don't remind me. It's target lock or bear roll um, after a friendly ship dies and then has two tracers and four proton rockets in the squad. Um, the discipline uh, combos very well with the linked action, uh, being able to barrel roll into a red focus. Um, if the Baron happened to take an evade, reached for a target lock, um, bumped, uh, and you thought that, oh, well, I won't shoot at it because it doesn't have a rocket. All of a sudden, it barrel rolls into a focus, uh, and then a, another one shoots a tracer missile. And now it's got a double, double modified five dice attack out of nowhere. Um, so very deadly, um, but 
certainly has its flaws. Uh, if you're not getting those bullseyes, uh, as we've seen, we saw it on stream against the fire sprays. And if it misses the bullseyes, um, if it can't take uh, advantage of, um, if it can't take advantage of that discipline, uh, the list kind of falls apart. Uh, Connor Holmes obviously doing a great job getting into the top four, uh, confirming uh, the V1 bias uh, people are having. Uh, is it being the the only swarm uh, to fly in hyperspace? Okay, so next we're moving on to Jeremy Betch bringing a Galactic Republic list. We have Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Ada 2 with no upgrades, none at all, and then three of the Jedi Knights, uh, the Delta 7, 8 the Sprites with 7B configuration. So we did get to see Jeremy play this squad a little bit. I mean, he's basically taking what has been a, a staple of hyperspace, which is the Delta 7Bs, and trading out one of those Jedi Knights. People have been flying four of them for Obi-Wan Kenobi. You get a little bit extra initiative, um, which of course has its advantages being able to move after ships. And then you also have Obi-Wan's ability being able to you know, trade that force for a focus is really, really solid. Um, obviously did really well bringing the Republic to top four. Um, one of the things that we did see in his play though, once in a while is not always using Obi-Wan's ability, which kind of, some people have different schools of thought on it. There are times where if you've gotten in trouble, you've had to spend the force and now you have maybe one. I think both Will and I are in that, that school of thought where it's like, if you can just trade that force for a focus, you just do it because it's always better than one. There's another school of thought that says, but what if you need, if, if you want to regenerate the force, which I get, but you know, this is a three hole ship. If you needed more than one focus result, you die, right? <laughs> right? You know, on defense specifically. So we want to, we want to be clear there, but overall really cool list. Obviously lots of maneuverability there. If you're not familiar with this ship, uh, I would definitely take a look at it. There's a Jedi Knight hanging out with Obi-Wan Kenobi, but, um, Great ships, and if you're into the Republic, it is a great way to jump in. You know that the list is good, and it's simple because there's not a bunch of upgrades. You just fly, right? And, of course, you do have those fine-tuned controls and intuitive controls as well. Maybe that's one thing that could make this – that gives this list a little bit more of a difficult uh, rating is the combination of fine-tuned controls and intuitive controls, right? Because the the – the Jedi Knights get to post position. Obi Wan has to pre position. It's a little bit, little bit of different mental space there. But overall, great job by Jeremy Betch. So I would like to note that most people would see Obi Wan in this probably taking Predator, right? Two points. You have a two point bid, mostly solid. I think. People are starting to say if they're bringing predominantly I-3 ships, they're trying to go over two because if we look at these Barons, they're always at that 198. And they don't want to be stuck getting out-aced 
by six ships, where four of them have prockets. So we're starting to see people try and make sure that they're at 197 or below. All right. Well, let's keep it rolling. Let's toss it to Ryan. It's talking about V1s, what did Joel Springle bring to the party? It's deja vu. We have the standard six barons of the Empire, all with discipline, two tracers, four prockets. 198, just like we had Connor Holmes have earlier. So, curious... Let me throw this out. So if you have, if you're starting to see everything outbidding these guys, right? Do you try and take a couple disciplines off, say the tracer users and just keep it on the procket guys? Or do you say, well, I'm getting out, I'm getting outbid, but what if I get a fifth procket? You could drop both of the disciplines off the tracers and swap the one tracer from one of them into a fifth procket. So you have one tracer, five prockets, 200 points. What route yeah. would you go? Would you try and start taking a few disciplines off and go bigger bid, or would you go more prockets for more threat? Honestly, I would go all prockets, a tracer, and no, no disciplines. Just oh, you can still fit disciplines, and actually, you could. Nah, I don't because you have more prockets. You could, or more prockets and less tracers. Instead of relying on the tracers or discipline trigger, it could go back to ruthless. Yeah, the thing is, you'd be surprised how often these things end up stressed. They stress quite a bit, and I, I like if I were flying this right now, um, I would. In, in hyperspace, and extend that I would just keep the marksmanship. I think marksmanship is way better. Uh, but in hyperspace, if I was flying this, I would be flying one tracer, five proton rockets, no uh, EPT, no no talent. Just just get the bid with five. And I think, what, what does that leave you at? That's um, 30. Um, that, that leaves you at 194, I believe. With, yeah, I think that's where it's at at 194 but that that's that's where i would keep it so just um five prockets or you get yeah five prockets and you can even do six prockets i think right with nothing on there and be at 199 uh we'd have to look yeah because each one is 28 plus 5 33 times so it'd be somewhere right there yeah but i, I would go with one tracer and five prockets I think what people get afraid of, though, is in that opening salvo, if somebody brought something that's over initiative three and just go, your tracer carrier is dead, you brought it for nothing. And that's why yeah, people yeah. like carrying, too. And that's why I kind like, of having Ruthless as a backup in that version or still taking some discipline. Yeah, but the, it's not useless. It it took if, – if they kill one, I mean, you got six of them. You know, like they kill one, okay, you killed one. It's, it's like when you're flying a droid swarm. You know, it's it's just it's just it's it's the it's the cost of doing business. When you bring a swarm, ships die. Let them die. But but then you lose the utility, though. Like, why did you? If you're if you're willing for that ship just to die in a matchup where you have a ship at initiative four that you're fighting against, just wiping this off, boss just comes and goes. That's dead. Let's continue the game. Why did you even spend the points on it? 
I think that I'm th I'm trying to get into the frame of mind of somebody who's why they're bringing two of them, and I think that's the reason why is they don't want that situation where it just disappears, or are they relying too much on having the ability to use thread tracers? So I, I will say, Dion, if I'm in an engagement, it, it I'd say Marcel, you've flown this list a, a new number amount of times. How often is it in first engagement when you're flying against stuff that's higher initiative than you, that you have more than one procket lined up? Very rare, right? Almost never, so, yeah. So I think, Dion, in most cases, people uh, people who have the initiative and could initiative kill are going to target the ship that actually has the bullseye procket because that is still more dangerous than the tracer hit in most cases. Cool. Good yeah, and and the and the big baddies right now for the most part have that ability. Plus, uh, the false transponder codes is an easy way of saying uh, you're not going to proc it. You're not going to proc it. You're not going to proc it. Um, at least during that first engagement. So, like I said, a swarm swarms are meant to die. Just just let it die. All right. All right you good. know, I, I I felt that all too much during the weekend. Yep. Swarms, swarms are on the downturn. If you don't have, if you don't have disciplined in your in in your list, or you don't have thermal detonators, I don't know if you're a viable swarm in hyperspace. Ooh, that's a that's a hot take. There, we're gonna have to dig into that later. We're gonna have to dig into that. All right, next we got Sasha Sasha Wagner, which little bit first top A competitor. Let's let me give some history slash insight if you go back and watch the videos you will actually see sasha win this game but then concede the game he won because he had to finish his xtc game and he couldn't finish the tournament so basically the way it got ruled in the tournament was like i lose my top eight game i decided i lose the top eight game and then he went and played his xtc match so He's actually he actually like made the top four. He was a winner, um, but just want to kind of clarify that for anybody who goes back in the histories and wonders why, because we want to keep things flexible for our people. Like he had to go, and we didn't want to leave the spot open. So here we go, Sasha Wagner. Uh, what was what do we have here, Marcel? All right, so Sasha is flying a Scum and Villainy list at 199 with uh, Bosk, the Cutthroat, Gamut Key, Zam, Greedo, uh, and False Transponder Codes instead of Contraband Cybernetics. Um, thank you. Genesis Red with Cutthroat and Proton Torpedoes. Genesis Red is the I-4. Uh, seek that when she she I'm, I'm just gonna say she target lock somebody uh, you get to get the target lock plus whatever tokens are on that ship focus or evade tokens are on that ship uh, joy wreck off with cutthroat ion torpedoes um, you are covering the screen buddy okay <laughs> <laughs> with with joy wreck off with uh, on the fang fighter with cutthroat ion torpedoes and Lando, uh, the coordinator. So it's uh, again, it's all fours with Bosk, uh, and then you get multiple torpedoes with 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 Red. You get multiple rerolls with Joy, and you you get the coordinator without needing. You get the Gleb, 
So you said uh, Dace was the cheapest glove carrier. Uh, no, Lando is the cheapest glove carrier because he doesn't even need glove. Hardy har har. Now I will say, I am I I. I prefer on Bosk contraband over false transponder codes. False transponder codes might give you the kill early, but uh, if, if people who if you play if, if you play false transponder codes right, if you guys see in the final, the first thing that I did was just target lock, target lock, waste, waste, because false transponder codes allows the lower initiative ships to decide who is going to be, who's going to pop that. So I can run in at somebody that's going to be behind the cloud or run in with somebody behind the debris or at range three and say, or somebody who's chasing and say, that's now that's a useless card uh, because you either have to take this really bad shot against this ship at range three or the range one with whatever on you. So I believe, you know, contraband, you control when contraband triggers. You don't control when when false transponder triggers. But anyway, all I4s, uh, Cutthroat is good, Torpedoes are good, and Bosk, he, he does okay sometimes. So another appearance for Bosk in this top cut. If you're not familiar with the ability, we do have it there on the screen. But basically, if you're getting that crit through, you're doing an additional damage. And extra damage equals probably a little bit closer to winning your game. Uh, really solid list. I guess for the audio listeners, uh, just for clarifying, boss, while you perform a primary attack after the neutralized result step, you may spend one crit result, add two hit results. Bam. Bam. Now, one thing that we did see happen in, with, I'm not sure if it was Sasha's game or one of the other bosks, which we're going to talk about that in a minute here. Um, blinded pilot, worst crit for bosk. Cannot use his ability, cannot. Um, can't modify his dice with target locks or focus. It's bad. So if you are playing against a Bosk, blinded pilot, it is very good. If you're Kylo, you might want to think about putting this on a, on a Bosk if you're fighting against it. Most of the time we say panic pilot, but this might be this might be the exception. All right, let's move on. We got Alexander Buff. Take it, Will. All right. Alexander Buff's fine. The Resistance. Oh, we need a name for this list, by the way. Uh, like uh, Snaps T-70s or something like that. I've, I've called it the 70s Heroes. Oh, the 70s Heroes. <laughs> I like it. Um, Alexander Buff. So he's running uh, the new Tim and Wexley, uh, who can change the configurations doesn't necessarily have to open them but changes your configurations of your s foils uh to then get uh, at the start of combat to then get a strain and a calculate uh so that allows him to double modify his offense um, but that ability works on uh, all ships or all t70s rather uh at range zero to three so what you combine that with is a bunch of other T-70s who can also uh, heavily modify their offense. You have Jess Pava who gets re-rolls for friendlies. Um, so can re-roll up to three dice and then has can just spend her normal focus. Um, 
and then utilizing Tim and Wexley can get a calculate modifier when say doing red maneuvers or bumping, things like that. Can always be double modifying. Uh, Nimi uh, is the uh, I, one of the newer I2 T70s uh, who can uh, change a blank result to an eyeball result if shooting somebody who's higher in a ship, so three or three and up. Um, combine that with a target lock uh, action, and then uh, they calculate from Timmins ability, very consistent. Uh, then as well, Lieutenant Bastion, uh, who doesn't necessarily need Timmins ability um, because they get free locks uh, as long as the ship is damaged um, nearby, uh, or excuse me, very specifically, is Delta damage card, uh, range one to two. Um, so basically all of them combined together to where they're very consistently double or even triple modifying on uh, their offense. And it just comes in and blast stuff, uh, whatever. Uh, we caught an early game. I think it was, it was not Alexander buff, but it was the same list. We caught it round one. Um, and it uh, just tore through uh, this Republic list um, with all those modifications on offense. Ma yeah, Ma I, I have had good. the chance to actually put some games in with this list and between the K turn, the Talon roll, close the wings, do the move, open the wings, now I have a mod, and then Jess with rerolls with a calculate, Bastion with his ability to get that lock still with a calculate, any of them basically have boost link to strain calculate. You know, they could they could boost now and still have a mod. And then going over debris clouds, going over I mean there's once you put it on the board, there's so many situations Temin's ability is money. Yeah, you got you got seven health too, like you can take a strain, no big deal. Oh, yeah, this was a really fun. Uh, this, he he, this was a really tough list. He almost beat me. I got lucky and and killing, uh, Temin. It is so that Temin is so surprisingly, uh, aggressive and hits so hard, uh, because the way he flew out, the way he, you guys had him on stream, I think, right? I don't know if you flew the same. I don't way think. I don't think we did. No. No. We had another uh, play, way... another player flying the same thing though. Okay. Well, I don't even know if it's the same player or not, but I played somebody that was flying this, and they fly Jess, Nimi, and Lieutenant in a, in a block and then bring Temin from the corner. And basically, Temin is just target lock in every turn and target lock, um, yeah, target lock calculate every turn. So he's a little mini, mini Poe over there for really cheap. He's, he's just like all these 7B Jedi that, that lock and have force. Mm-hmm. Same idea, though he's at one agility after doing it because of the strength. <laughs> so that's the only difference. Easy, there. Just don't get shot. One agility there you once. Go. <laughs> that, that's a straight right once. Worth it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's keep moving on. Next, we got Andrew Goldbach bringing in the Moralo Evol into the top eight of the Lemu qualifier. Okay, so we got Moralo Evol with Cutthroat. Boba Fett crew and Zam Wessel. We got to bring up that Boba Fett crew because I know, I know so many people have not taken a look at that. Here we go. Boba Fett crew coming up on your screen right now. So it says during setup, 
Start in reserve. At the end of setup, place yourself at range zero of an obstacle beyond range three of an enemy ship. So with the Zam crew and Cutthroat and then the threat of Fenral and Old Tarak, you got a really aggressive Moralo that can just bail whenever you need to. And then you got to deal with these Fang Fighters and then Moralo comes back. So Andrew has been trying to get Moralo to work for a long time. Props to Andrew, by the way. Um, I consider him a friend, cool guy, and uh, he's he's been on the hustle trying to get Moralo to work. If you're not familiar with Moralo Evolve, we'll go ahead and pull that one up as well. Mo Mo Moralo, M-O-R, just like me. All right, Moralo Evolve right there. Another YV666. Add initiative four, you say, if you would flee, you may spend one charge. If you do, place yourself in reserves instead. At the start of the planning phase, place yourself within range one of the edge of the play area that you fled from. So you got a lot of flexibility there. And when you're in reserve, you start, your, any target locks you took stay active. Now, red tokens on you stay active as well they don't those don't disappear but uh you know you can still any progress that you did such as charging up your zam charges all that that's still ready to go and then you come back into the battle so there andrew goldbach bringing another yv666 into this top 16. all right next we got juan pablo gonzalez take it ryan all right juan bringing a separatist alliance list running zam in the fire spray with count dooku crew thermal detonators false transponder codes and hull upgrade we have general grievous with impervium plating and solace one standard loadout for him and then we have burwer cret in the nantex with gravitic deflection and predator so this is the common three-ship hyperspace list we've seen that involves zam grievous plus a thing and one of those common things has been Burwer Cret. You at least having Predator. I think this is one of the few times I've seen Burwer with Gravitic Deflection, though. But basically, oh, it's been a while since I even read Gravitic Deflection. Before I say anything, I want to make sure I'm actually right on it. So Gravitic Deflection used to be like five or six points, not down to four. While you defend, you may reroll one of your defense dice for each tractored ship in the attack arc. So remind me, does that include yourself if you're tractored? I believe it does. Yeah, because you're being attacked. So Oh yeah, well, you defend their attack arc. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, in a way, a lot of times those defensive rerolls are like are kind of like having three agility, but without the max. You've you've you have kind of the three agility average because you're basically rolling three dice and getting rid of the worst result unless you get that result twice because you re-roll it. So you don't have the, the spike of the three agility if you've maintained your tractor token, but gravitic deflection gives you another chance to get yourself a better average. There you go. All right. Next, we have Cristobal Rigo bringing another Republic list. Marcel? So Cristobal Riego is flying uh, the Jedi, uh, actually three Delta Seven Jedi Knights with Anakin. Instead of taking Obi, he went with Baby Anakin, 
R2 and an advanced proton torpedo for 198 points. By the way, uh, Cristobal, uh, part of Team Chile, want you guys do well because you guys are playing Spain this week, so uh, kick butt. <laughs> Um, but yeah, very solid list. It's it's essentially the you know the same thing we saw. It's the same thing, different flavor that we saw in the top four. Uh, instead of taking the naked OB, take taking Anakin with toys. That Anakin is uh, actually I think this one was on stream, wasn't it? It was uh, versus you. Yeah, and uh, I happen to like this better than Obi, but that's because I have a, a soft spot for Annie. Um, but I, yeah, I mean. It it stays alive longer. He's he 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 is more of a nuisance, but yet you can't disregard him because you get that 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 um that spike damage of five shots. So you can't ignore him, uh, which means you have to kill him. But if you kill him, he's a trap. And while you're thinking of all this, you've got three deltas that are deltas hit kind of hard. Hey Will, can you can you hear him hedging for us about to tear into him, about about oh, yeah. about this he's game? Like, he's like, oh, you you really gotta you know really gotta look after him. <laughs> Man, I'm glad right. you admit that he's a trap myself, because <laughs> uh, I think you fell into it during your guys' games. I agreed, agreed. Oh, that I attacked him a lot. It, I was attacked him at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because he was the only one that was moving after my full list, and I just didn't want that that torpedo. So, uh, yeah, I was... There I was, was a lot of fear there. Torpedo. We could sense it. We could sense it. Yeah, dur during the match, like, Will and I, like, we took off the, the, the commentator, and we were just there just, like, smacking our heads. Like, what are you doing? Stop attacking Anakin. <laughs> it was great. It was great. You got the dub Anakin, in the end. Anakin died at the end. So true. He did that. <laughs> true. True. But you know what, viewers, go watch the game. Go watch the game when it's up. You, you'll you'll see and hear some of our frustrations with Marcel uh, with target selection that happened a couple of times. But you know what, he got the W. So in the end, are we wrong? I don't know, but it worked out. <laughs> All right, let's keep it going. Dread Champ. What do we got here, Will? All right. Dread Champ bringing uh, the Republic Alliance, uh, the feared Heratani. Uh, that's uh, Hera in the A-Wing. Uh, this one has proton rockets uh, mixed with Garvin Dreyas in the X-Wing. Um, the list also has uh, Jake Farrell with Thread Tracers, Shara Bay in the A-Wing, and Wedge Antilles in the A-Wing as well. Uh, the combination of Jake uh, being able to hand out uh, Hera, essentially all these people love the focus action. Uh, Shara uh, needs it when she spins her locks. Wedge uh, is normally one of the primary targets in the list, uh, so really likes having... or also likes to modify his dice with the target lock. Uh, so really enjoys the support there. Um, but being able to give Hera a, a focus, then she can come up and either target lock for that proton rocket or evade and be able to hand out multiple tokens to the whole squad. Uh, it's just the, the classic rebel synergy uh, at work here. 
And uh, I am surprised with the proton rockets on Hera. Uh, she's normally the one of the first ships to be uh, targeted in this list, um, but is I six has the support from Jake um, to give her a focus um, if you set it up right, um, and obviously has worked very well. All right, next we move on to another rebel list here. With a bit of a different flavor, we had Rob Pettit bring four of the Red Squadron veteran T-65s. Those are the Initiative 3 X-Wings, all with Selfless and the S-Foils and Derek Clivian with XX-23 Thread Tracers. Let's go ahead and take a second and talk about Selfless. Selfless is a defensive upgrade that fits in that talent slot and it reads, while another friendly ship at range 0-1 to one defends before the Neutraloid's result step, if you are in the attack arc, you may suffer one critical damage to cancel one critical result. So essentially, taking that critical damage and passing it around, um, if you have an X-Wing that that has their shields down they're about to take a crit you could swap it to yourself between those four different x-wings so i would expect that rob probably played in some type of formation could have been a two by two or um or all four together and it looks like just this list comes in at 200 points so derek just kind of fits in there nicely derek clivian in the a-wing um, as well with the ability after you acquire or spend the lock you may remove one red token from yourself it's just kind of nice it's mostly i think because it matches the i3 and they can move all together and of course he gets to carry the thread tracers which can set up target locks and in a perfect world you got target locks hitting and then double modified x-wing shots going into your main target seems like a solid list it's it is a simple uh simple idea but it's got offensive modifications and defensive modifications and that's what you need to really push your list over the edge this gives me an old uh like early two point early 2.0 beef like the beef the rebel beef that was going around well the we, spread we, damage we know we talked about this particular pie a lot earlier bosk hates seeing this because selfless happens before Bosk gets to split it. So this could definitely be a meta call with all the Bosks showing up. Uh, it does say in attack arc, so even though you got those high amount of attack dice with proton rockets, that's a tiny bullseye, so that's probably not going to happen. But proton torpedo carriers hate seeing this as well, but Bosk is really sad to see selfless because yes. his attack arc is a 180. Yes, and to be clear, that means that if that critical damage goes on somebody else, that the way it works is because you're canceling out the original crit, boss ability doesn't work. It just disappears. The crit comes from selfless, not from boss, just in case somebody, uh, you know, rules that wrong at some point. All right, next we have Sammy... Ulvinen. What do we got here, Ryan? We have five Inquisitor Tidevance V1s, all with Foresight. I think Sammy has consistently brought this list in a few different events uh, and has done well pretty, uh, pretty often. Uh, 
has that foresight threat, uh, whether, you, I mean, they're I3, but it's like a bunch of snapshots out there. So before things get to take defensive actions, they might need to be worried about where the foresight bullseye is pointed at, and those extra shots build up throughout the entire list. And they're also super defensive when they need to be with that one force and that white evade. That's a solid ship. Pretty self-explanatory. Next, we move on to Daniel Vucnik. Go ahead. Take it, Marcel. All right. So Daniel Vucnik flying Vucnik flying a first order list at 196 points with Major Von Reg, Daredevil, uh, Kylo, Extreme Maneuvers, and Recoil with Predator. Um, so two silencers plus a type B8. Recall is four, right? So it's a initiative four, five, and six. And I think um, just by looking at this, I don't know how far down we are, uh, but I, I would say almost every top list had an initiative four outside of the Barons. That's what it looks like. It was all I4s or Barons so far. Or... No, maybe not the Jedi's. The Jedi's. Well, I guess. Well, Jedi's and Reds. Yeah. Yeah, the the Red X's, the Jedi's, but they generally are partnered with something that's I four. Depends on if you mean if I four was predominant in the list, or if there's at least one ship that is I four. At, at least one ship that's I four. Like I four was it, it was a popular initiative. It looks to be. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I four I four was the part. I four is where the party is at right now. So watch out. You got to plan for it. If you're not planning for it, you're gonna you're gonna have a sad day. All right, let's keep it rolling here. We got a couple more lists. Don Walker, what do we got here? All right, Don Walker's. Uh, flying the resistance uh, that's Poe with R4 astromech overdrive thrusters uh, I assume uh, the foils as well uh, then uh, Jessica Papa in the uh, T70 with foils uh, ZZ to low uh, the I5 uh, A-wing who uh, gets free tokens after defending or uh, attacking with proton rockets and then uh c3p rows uh in, in the pod uh being able to hand out those coordinates while still able to double modify her own dice pool uh this is very familiar to what uh to what uh carson's running in the xtc what was uh but he's got Lilo. He's got Lulo, that's right. Um, you have to be Carson to fly Lulo. So this is probably the uh, the list for everybody else looking to uh, utilize that same archetype. Um, I think it's uh, very interesting. You got that good jousting squad uh, with uh, Rose and Pamba, have uh, good defense and offense between both of them. Uh, then you got essentially two uh, different aces to kind of come in from different angles as well. Um, I think it's uh, going to be the new staple for uh, resistance in hyperspace and outside of it as well. All right. And last but not least, we got Sebastian Demers bringing a separatist list to the squad. 
we got DGS 047, which we'll go ahead and bring that up here in a second, with Zam Wesso Crew, DRK Probe Droids, and the Repulsor Lift Stabilizers. Then we have three Geonosian prototypes. Two of them have Sync Laser Cannons and Repulsor Stabilizers. And then we have General Grievous. Sorry, I said two. I said three of those. There's only two Geonosian prototypes. They're built out the same. And then we have General Grievous, who we talked a little bit about earlier, with Kraken, Impervium Plating, and Solus One. Overall, that is a very solid list. The HMPs do give a lot of people trouble uh, because of their maneuverability and how the side slip moves. Uh, now, you did end up having dgs 47 with if you're not familiar with let's go ahead and read that ability it says after you perform an attack the defense if the defender is not in your front arc you may acquire a lock on it then if the defender is in your bullseye it gains a strain so uh, there was a couple of times i think we had this list on on stream where the bullseye ability almost almost went off um but uh but it just missed a couple of times but that thread out there is really really strong and unless you have a way to take this thing off the board you got to be careful just haphazardly shooting at it in the middle of the game but overall uh, a really solid squad obviously made it to the top 16 and congratulations so that's been our top 16 list if you want to take a look at all the other lists they are currently available to peruse at your leisure um, on list juggler and they are also available right now if you type exclamation point lists if you want to look at it now before we end up this uh, before we rack up wrap up this segment i wanted to talk a little bit about some stats okay i'm going to ask you guys questions you answer and chat feel free to be a part of this i'm going to ask the first question is who do you think was the most popular pilot okay so uh most popular named pilot in each of the factions all right we'll go ahead and start with scum starting with scum marcel what do you think bosk that is incorrect we is had Go ahead. Is it Fen Rao? It is. 14 yeah. instances of Fen Rao, followed by 12 bounty. Sorry, uh, we, we're, doing, uh, we're doing uniques. Followed by Bosk at 10 instances. 10 instances of Bosk. And then after that, we had Kanan Jarrus in the Hawk at 8 instances. Oh, it's like they build their own little list. They do. They all work together. <laughs> now, Ryan, since we yeah, got... There, there's go a ahead. lot of those three. There's a lot of, of uh, list of just those three. So I imagine uh, almost every every Kanan was probably with Finn, Rao, and Bosk. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to Separatists, I don't think we're going to be surprised that Zam was the most popular unique ship with 15 instances of it followed by Django with 10 all right so there was five instances where zam came alone was or, there ever a Django that did not have a zam uh i don't have that no. information available but no, i doubt wasn't. it <laughs> i doubt it now ryan what do you think about the first order kylo I mean, yeah, that one's a little bit easy. 11 instances. Who do you think comes in second? 
Von Reg. Yeah, Von Reg. Yep. With 10 instances of Von Reg. All right. Now, Will, Empire, number one named pilot. Nash. That's a good guess, but there was only one Nash. Really? Only okay. one. Uh, Commandant Gorin um, was the most yeah, common with four sense. of those. Oh. Uh, there was four? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Four of them. The majority of Empire brought generics. All right. There's a lot. Uh, 43 total, and that includes multiple on the list. 43 total barons of the Empire. Um, so that, that gives you an idea of how that flipped there. Rebel Alliance, Marcel. Most named pilot and how many? I think you're adding the how many because how, ma how many rebels were there? Total? 14. Yeah. 14. I would say Hera with... Nine. Fourteen. <laughs> Every rebel list. Wait, Every rebel list brought here. So the numbers you put up above show twelve rebel lists. Oh, I'm sorry. There was definitely a rebel list in the cut that had hobby and four X wings. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then th that means I, there's an error somewhere in our counting. But somebody ran five heroes in one list. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There was a lot of Hera. Most <laughs> of the Rebel lists had Hera in it. Um, Will, Resistance. Uh, I'm going to go with Rose. That is false. Jess Pava. I was going to say Jess Pava. Really? Okay. That, uh, yeah, she gets in the 4T70s. Yeah, and, that makes sense. And she partners with Rose when Rose is around. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. And then Ryan, Galactic Republic. I have two on my mind. I'm gonna actually go with N1 Annie. Um, N1 Annie. There was only two instances overall. Mm. Uh, Obi Wan okay. Kenobi in the Ada with five. That was, it was either that or N N1 Annie. Mm hmm. So there you go. A little bit of uh, of stats for you guys. I know you like your stats. There you go. Now, before we go today, I want to do some lightning round answering of a couple of questions of the week. We haven't got to them in a while, um, but I'm mostly caught up with my homework for my master's. I got one assignment I got to finish tonight, so I'm going to give us a little more time to answer some of these questions, all right? So, um, Aram Fish, a.k.a. Andrew Goldbach, asks this question. He asks... We know that Zam crew is undercosted on the sh and uh, on ships that can abuse it. People with white arcs and uh, crew ordnance carrying, etc. Uh, we saw this with three YV666s making the cut this weekend, and also jump masters with Zam. However. Uh, ships with 90 degree arcs may not necessarily see as much versatility when doing the points update is there an argument for scaling zam based on this versatility like how they did with snapshot with base sizes or by hate with base size or supernatural by pilot skill um what do you guys think about that zam with That's the number of arcs you can carry that's certainly interesting. I would think that the first would be how many red dice you have. 
um so you would actually be cheaper uh, like on we saw dgs 47 would get a discount because he doesn't have a three dice weapon but of course though he is a munitions carrier though so maybe that isn't just like a jump master maybe that isn't the route to go maybe it is uh what you're saying how many arcs you have but then again the jump master though technically only has one arc mm-hmm even though it can equip cannons and torpedoes and things like that. It'd be, it'd be tough. It'd be tough because then you kind of have to price it per pilot, right? It'd be hard to, like, logistically, it'd be hard to do an overall. But I see where he's going, right? Like, we recognize that I, on Bosk, it's really right. good. On the fire sprays with a front and back arc, it's pretty good. I would probably, if possible, we need to start pricing things by faction, uh, so we can lump Protector Gleb in there as well. So he's more expensive in factions that can abuse him, uh, just like Zam. Zam should be more expensive in Scum rather than uh, in uh, Separatist, where it's basically limited to what? The uh, HMP Infiltrator and then not Django, right? Yeah. I guess there's generic bounty hunters. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess. I guess. I, racketeers. Right. I would assume <laughs> that you'd rather just get Zam pilot than Zam crew on your fire spray in Separatist. I mean, yeah. we, we could try and do these, like, multiple costing things based on something. I, I don't... I see where it can be applied. It's just probably easier to just make sure that it's just not abusable on the highest because I think no matter it's, it's going to be very rare. You're going to see Zam be taken that much more on something, even though if it's like a point or two cheaper, maybe, but it's, it's really, you got to cost it likely for the ships that are going to be the most uh, effective with it. And I think uh, besides the 180 on the YV, it is also because it can have a second crew slot and have something like Gamut Key to derive the token generation from turn over turn on top of Zam crew providing the lock and the extra attack on a platform like Bosk where crits can be extra damage. Any thoughts on that, Marcel? Or are you in, in agreement? Uh in Bosk's, not Bosk's, in uh, Zam's particular case, I think that's just one of those cards where you, uh, like Ryan said, you price it so that it's not abused on the best carriers, but the best carriers are multiple because, uh, like, you'll never know who that best carrier is until somebody puts it on the table and it's like, oh, I never thought that that would work so well right there. Basically, this is a, uh, a free target lock and a free second shot um, so it should be costed like a free target lock and a free second shot mm -hmm. so regardless of what platform you you can put it on on uh, Zuckus if Zuckus they give Zuckus crew throw it on Zuckus and it's you know still like okay now you get shot with four dice twice you know it's, 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 it's never fun it's never good it's always good it should always be expensive period all right. And our last question of the day is uh, from Matt B, who asked, now that in-person play is slowly starting again, 
even though there won't be any quote unquote big events until next uh till later um how much of a gap or difference will there be between the online meta and the real life meta obviously all players have access to everything online but it can be very different when playing live of course um always in motion the meta is <laughs> so I i'm gonna comment on that here for a little bit I've always said, while it's true that everybody has access to everything online, don't fool yourself into thinking that somebody who wants to fly, you know, five barons of the empire, six barons of the empire, that they can't get their hands on them. Because most people, most people are part of a squad of people. And if Marcel, Will, uh, Ryan, uh, or any of my Gold Squadron uh, local people hit me up and they're like, Dion, I need these ships for a tournament, I just give it to them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't question. I'm like, oh, here you go, right? People can borrow. And I think that there is that perception. I know that most of us buy only like two or maybe three of something. But, uh, you know, you have – you definitely have options there. Um. So I don't think there would be a huge shift. I am – you know what I'm actually more curious of? What I'm more curious of is the level of play because people haven't been head simming the game. But that's not the question. We'll, not, we'll worry about that in a minute. Uh, Marcel, you seem to be a dissenting opinion. You, yeah. If I heard you right, you say you don't think there's going to be a high – that big of a difference in what's being played on TTS and what will be played on a table uh, because people have access to all the ships. I'm going to disagree with that. I think there's going to be a huge meta shift um, and it is going to be driven by the simplicity of TTS versus the complexity of moving ships on a, on a physical table. Uh, just, you know, you, Gorin, Strikers and Gorin. Can you imagine every turn saying, you know, when 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 you're here, you can say bump over, bump over, bump over, bump over. That is a 18, 20 second thing, uh, 15 seconds on, you know, turn one just to get them moving forward. But on a table, that 15 seconds of just click, 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 click turns into a five minute move. Um, and that is an example of where I'm saying you're going to get a lot of these six, seven, eight ship builds to not be there, not just because the people are going to have less access to them, but also because they're just, um, not that much fun. I mean, for, for lack of a better word, I don't want to be playing a one player game of bump, move, bump, move, bump, move. And then 45 minutes into it, then I'll, you know, okay, let's, let's start shooting each other. Um, also the, sorry, sorry, Ryan. Also the pace of that, the pace of play being slower benefits certain lists more than it benefits others. So the, the, the aces that basically have to hit and hide will have will have to hide for a much shorter period of time because in TTS right now, that ace is being chased for nine or 10 turns where in real life, that ace will just be chased for maybe two or three turns and the game will be over. So 
your point about the the Goron strikers, I'd say even in TTS, uh, if you have someone who's doing that bump in like the first few turns, like that's not necessary. Like I would straight call out that player. Like, why are you doing this? Like you're directly. So I mean, I can understand maybe like the first turn you're trying to slow down your movement because strikers innately move fast, right? There are probably other better ways to do it, but if they're doing that bump thing every single turn, that seems like directly and purposely trying to slow down the game so that they know that either one, their final salvo is better, or two, because of their token stack capability, they know that the first engagement is going to favor them in most cases anyway. Like, And there's no game state reason to be doing that turn over turn before the first engagement is likely to happen. But it's uh, think, think about it this way. It is no different than a... Um... The, what what are the first order ships? Uh, the four dice one, the upsilon. It's no different than an upsilon being parked uh, and hitting a stop, and then turn two, a ship goes in, hits it, and then turn three, it it takes off. That's three turns of figuring out where your opponent's going while your other ship is, you know, Kylo is doing something, right? So that's three turns of figuring out your opponent. If you do three turns of figuring out your opponent with something like a striker list. Uh, to slow play so you can figure out where they're going. Those those three turns for that Upsilon takes a minute a turn, 45 seconds a turn. For the other one, it'll take five minutes a turn. So they are playing slower, and they are doing that for a reason, but, in, but they're actually just taking the same number of turns. They're taking three rounds to figure that out, the same as that Upsilon parked in the corner for three rounds, which is allowed. You can stop, park, bump, stop, go. Uh, and and that's that's typically been allowed. So while I could see that with that to maintain the upslant's arc, there's act like I think if you measure it out, there's very little difference between doing a one straight aileron, one straight striker, than doing a one bump, two hop over. Like the actual distance traveled isn't that I I don't believe is that different to affect like you holding yourself back to where you want to commit into the game though. I think that just mechanically as as like you as you're correctly pointing out is an issue because of the time taken to do all those all those bumps in real life play. Yeah. And and we're using strikers as an extreme example. And 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 I get it, but even without strikers, if you're moving six barons, barrel rolling, six barons, barrel rolling every turn, TTS is a Again, 40 seconds. Table time is two minutes, two and a half minutes. So I, that's what I'm saying. I think that the pace of play, the how boring it is for some people to play six, seven, eight ships for five, six rounds in a row. Like I've tried it before. I I do not bring it so to, to an in-person tournament. No, nothing over four, maybe five ships ever again because it just takes forever and it's boring and you have to carry everything around and you're walking around like this um it, it's just difficult all right and what do you what do you think will 
Um, well, you guys are focusing on movement. I my mind immediately goes to bullseye effects. You know how hard it is to actually measure measure bullseye effects in real life, uh, especially like range three or so, or like through multiple shifts to try to find out if DGS actually has bullseye on your ship to give it a string. Um, it is. Uh, in real life, uh, frustrating to be 100% accurate with that. Um, I think it's one of the advantages uh, early on uh, Nantax had um, with online players. You just click, are you in my bullseye? Nope, okay, we'll shoot my regular gun then. Um, if you had to get your little range ruler out every single time you had to find out if a ship was in your bullseye uh, with six Nantex, it would slow the game down. Same thing with uh, like the uh, Inquisitor Prockets. A lot of times it's not obvious that you are in that ship's bullseye or not. Um, uh, foresight as well. Um, oh my God, every time you move a ship, uh, your opponent gets to measure like five bullseyes uh, and it has to do so very accurately. Um, I think that is... Um, not that we won't see those lists, because I think we'll still probably see those lists, but uh, the time it takes and the accuracy of those bullseye checks um, is going to be much more difficult. I wonder and as also, so I would like to just like, if you're gonna play thermal detonators and you plan to drop both bombs, please drop the two straight one first and then the one straight. Because if you drop the one straight first, then you got to bend that two straight over top and try and keep that one straight one you just put on in position exactly where it should be because you got to measure from that to see who does damage. Please drop the two straight first. All right. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed that discussion. I am curious to see what ends up happening. Uh, we'll, we'll know Lone Star Open is the next event that uh, that GSP will be at in person. Will's going to be taking the helm there. I'm going to be busy graduating from uh, my master's degree program, uh, but maybe on Sunday I'll call in or something. We'll try. I got. I got. I got to get my. I, we'll figure something out, Will, because um, I'm graduating on Saturday, not on Sunday. But I don't know. Maybe Mrs. GSP will want to do something. I don't. Know. Just, just fly down for Sunday. It'll be just, okay. Just, just fly down for Sunday. What do you, what do you guys, <laughs> patrons? What do you guys think? Is that a good use of your guys' money? You let me know. A one, one day trip, graduate. Dun, 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 I gotta go. <laughs> gotta get your flight. Might, might yeah. ask for the wife points if it were me. Ah, that's what I, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking too. But hopefully you enjoyed this episode of Gold Squadron Podcast. Uh, thank you to everybody who participated in the Lemu Qualifier or who watched. It was awesome. Remember, get signed up for Dagoba. It is an extended event, um, and it is happening during the um, Dublin, Ireland time zone. Uh, I know quite a few people have preferred playing in an event that they would essentially be playing at night and through the morning because their like families are asleep or something like that or if you're a single person and you don't got anything to do on the weekend stay up what's gonna hurt about it? let's play some x-wing let's hang out and have a good time so uh thank you again so much for uh having a uh what, what am i trying to say having a good day was about what i was about to say sorry i'm tired you're welcome Dion. i'm really you're welcome. thank you for having a good day <laughs> <laughs> be smart, be safe. Gold Squadron out.